Welcome back to the Basement Fellow Music Lovers. You are now tuned in to yet another exciting adventure of Chunky Lessons, the podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, as usual. And what an exciting adventure this episode is. Um, our guest on the show is one of my favorite people on this this here planet, Mr. Phil Cook. Uh, he, he put out an album a couple years ago called Southland Mission. And it is, uh, if, you, if you don't know that album, please uh, remedy that. Do yourself a favor. Uh, it is one of the most, I think we call it the best uh, Americana album of the past two decades. Uh, it is uh, it, it is soulful. It is it is bluesy. It is it is uh, heartwarming. It is educational. It is, it is and it's you know these are all things that are Phil. It's a pure uh, shot of Phil Cook, a pure distillation of what he is put on wax, and you know since then. He's been touring around uh, with his friend MC Taylor uh, in His Golden Messenger. Has become part of that band, which you can hear us talk about. But uh, we've been anxiously awaiting his next uh, solo album, and now it is here on 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 June first. People are my drug. It's going to be released into the world everywhere. We are going to do a review of it, but I will just tell you up front: this is um, this this is pure soul music it is it you need it in your life it is good uh, for you it'll make you a better person it'll make you think about stuff it'll make you feel better uh it will um it's it's just what great art is supposed to be and uh and we were lucky enough that uh the man who made this had a few uh few hours to hang out last time he was in town and so myself and eduardo and phil hung out in the basement and talked about the new album and we talked about uh, Wisconsin, and we talked about the universe, and we talked about gospel, and we talked about gent- we talked about everything, dudes, literally everything. And uh, that's what happens when you sit down with Phil Cook. So, um, so that's what we're doing. Uh, it's about an hour and a twenty-minute conversation. Uh, it is a little long, but uh, I, I promise you, it is it is well worth it. Uh, so you can get this vibe, this this cosmic wave in your life. So uh, that's what we're doing on this episode. Uh, if if that is your jam, then uh, you know, strap in, get comfortable, get a beverage or a snack or whatever, uh, and and let's head on down to the basement, hang out with uh, Eduardo and and our friend Phil Cook. Yeah, man. We but, got, we'll get in. I, mean, I don't know. I feel like we're always pretty mm-hmm. organic. We can. Uh, we just kind of go with it, man. That's what it's all about, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> um, how are you avoiding Rykuder suing you for like, vibe theft? Uh, <laughs> <this point>? dude. 
I mean, you know, I met him, right? Fuck you, oh, dude. Wow. Just, no! You know, I met him. Uh, it was kind of a funny circumstance. You know, I did this entire recreation of Boomer's Story, that record Wait, from what? 1972 wow. in 2014. Where? Um at the Hall River Ballroom down in uh, yeah, yeah, Saks yeah, no, Ball, North it. Carolina. Um, I, I got a whole crew of my favorite musicians in all around the triangle. It was like 14 people total. And we Holy. did the whole album wow. front to back. And in the process of that, I emailed his manager and it was just like, hey, we're doing make it a big deal. We're going to, you know, do a whole, the whole record front to back. Um, can I contact rye and just ask him if he has any like specific memory of making boomer's story does he have anything yeah yeah. he can maybe share that i can just share with the audience and yeah. say hey whatever and and so he emailed me um uh, rye emailed me and just said hey man i was a really long time ago truth is i don't remember the actual like session to sessions because i think he was just recording all the time, yeah. And I, I think and they I, would just well, put up Boomer Story or whatever. I was explaining to Daria too, like we and we just reviewed the new album, right? And so he's got seventeen albums. Then he's got seventeen other albums that are like soundtracks. Then he's got like hundreds of production credits. Like, how would you even begin to keep track of what you did? I just, I think that dude's got some serious mailbox money, man. <laughs> I think that checks just kind of <laughs> come yeah. in. I mean, when yeah, you like, you know, you get all that film work and all that stuff. I mean, that's that's just smart, man. That's yeah, just smart. Man. That's just like, you know, putting. That's just investing. You know, really. Is, it, is that going to be you? I would love for that to be me, and I'm trying to put that vibe out into the universe for that. <laughs> I'm trying to create more opportunities. Yeah. Now in my career, uh, to like collaborate with people, to co-write with people, to like, you know, kind of. Just be out there and, and um, you know, I, I it, it works. I've been putting yeah. that vibe out for long enough for, like, you know, people know yeah. in, in my community, in my circle right now. I'm just trying to make that circle get wider every year of, like, who's who I'm, I'm on their radar. They're on mine and we're able to, like, do things. So, I mean, I don't know if that'll ever, ever, of course, ever reach Ry Cooter. But I did go see him and Ricky Skaggs and Susan White at uh, oh wow and UNC Chapel Hill. They did that tour. Yeah. And Susan's dad Buck played piano and he stole the show. I mean, yeah. he was huh. he was he stole the show. He's like eighty. Yeah. He's like eighty five years old and he was wailing on this piano, man. Damn, it was really cool. And, and Rye was great. Rye was uh, super awesome. And afterwards, they was they signed stuff. So I walked up and it's funny, man. I'm not kidding. We were wearing the same <laughs> thing. <laughs> You ever never seen that picture? Have no, you ever seen that no, picture no, I posted, no, no. man? Oh man, I, I'm gonna send, I'm gonna send, send it, you a send, picture. Send it to me. We'll put it in the post. I'm gonna send this picture to you, but like, dude, we both show. Well, we're that's both what I'm saying, man. These, like, you guys, and we're just saying. you guys are on the same like absolute same wavelength, and, and and um and it's a wavelength that I think is ultimately gonna save like American music, mm. the history of American music. Yeah, I think um, <laughs> it's just like when I. Tell people like you got to listen to this guy Phil Cook. They're like, who? Mm-hmm. Right? Still, yeah. I'm just yeah. proud. That's yeah. not it. But then, oh, I, I, then, I, then sure. I start listing stuff that you've done, and then I, in before now, I've put like Southline Mission in front of them, and they're like, yeah. what the fuck? Where's who's this? Where's he been? What is yeah. going on? Then now, and while you're back again, I put people on my drug in front of them. Yeah, uh, <laughs> brother, you traveled out into the universe. Yeah. Where songs are born and yeah. came back with something. I I mean, I have perfect faith that you are just going to make the best shit ever. But yeah. this is beyond. No. I, I don't even know. 
you so the last one you started in a cabin, right? Is this Yeah. How how like how? <laughs> how does this story start? <laughs> I mean, the last one was we the last time you and I talked, you know, I was going through what I would just describe as like sort of a I mean sort of a blossoming of like and kind of an arrival of just like a self awakening moment. Yeah. That's what that whole process was with Southland. So everything was a first. Everything was a first getting there. But the biggest journey was that internal one where I had to arrive at a point where I saw something that I was doing as beautiful in and of itself outside of me and like believed in it as as, you know, just a soul. And that 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 I think that door allowed me to just follow more things that I hear and follow more things that I'm feeling and uh, pursue more things and have the courage to do it and have faith that it may just work out in some way. Right. That that all came from Southland Mission of just the process of making that and realizing that I had something to say, something to contribute. And so after that came out. I had to actually find a band, you know, which was comprised of a few people from the record, but most of the people from Southland are band leaders and they are on tour on their own things. Right. So I had mm-hmm. to find my own group. And so that process was great because I sort of tapped a mix of people that I was aware of for a long time that I was like, he say yes. My drummer, <laughs> my drummer, I was just like, I was just like, I knew exactly who I was going to ask for doing the touring. Yeah. And not only is it, I mean, it's just, he's he's there yeah i mean he's in the mix and he's the machine and the engine that drives all of it you know which is great but like that's just a my that's just one part of the pie i mean every other person that i'm able to like bring together has just been the really the alchemy and really i think the process that we're talking about starts there when we just form this band right because then when you hit the road you get to play all this stuff yeah and you get to workshop all the tunes out. You switch the keys and be like, what was I thinking recording this song in A? I can't sing this song in A every night. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. And then like just like there's simple things. You take that like A becomes A flat. And then the next time you start writing a record, you're like, maybe I'll try A flat this time instead of A when I'm singing in this kind of range. Yeah. And I'm like, well, it's more comfortable. I'll be able to hit it more often. Functional, like earned skill. Right. Okay. Better. So there's that kind of part of it that we, you know, and the guys are all like incredible they all are band leaders, but they're in my band. And so they're all really great uh, at work. At, like, I don't lead the band. I don't demand anything. All that mm-hmm. I know is that, like, I surround myself with musicians that are really accomplished and have a lot of experience and are really good, better than me. Well, I mean, if you, you know? and if you go, if you go see, somebody goes to see you live, they'll see how you are truly reacting to the band it's like you're mm. you're i mean you're doing your thing right yeah uh but you like i remember a dc9 one show you just sort of turned around and we're watching the band all right like, I, I, so I had the like, front row seat i got the front row seat cab i don't know yeah, i mean it's I just know. like i get to be there every night and that's what's yeah. so great is that you know i just um am able to just put all my faith and trust in the people that are there and know that they're going to follow their gut instincts i never told anyone in the band what to play ever you know i'll get into certain moods or vibes and be like maybe this is kind of the vibe i'm going with here let's just shift that but they're all so good they can just read all that stuff they know how to do it yeah you know and there's so much freedom in just having that situation in front of me and so you put that in two years of practicing that and then we've just built a thing 
And so you, uh, we've talked about Durham before, the Raleigh scene, North Carolina and mm. stuff, and how like tight knit and stuff. You worked with people like your friend Amelia. Yeah. You worked. Did, did Skylar sing on this? Skylar did not sing on it. But no. she, but you've played with her before. Yeah, I love Skylar. Actually, I saw you. No, you did the Tom Petty thing. Yeah. You saw the videos like, of that. Come on, girl! Like that was, get, a special and then you just life, and dude. you just sitting on the keyboard, just losing your mind. <laughs> so, but you you know you've played with all these people, but I think you've uh, this. What was one thing that's new is that you have uh, sort of aligned yourself you now. Your Bardis Golden Messenger, yeah. And it was obvious that like you were going to play with Mike because he's yeah. just down there. He's I my remember, brother. I remember your show DC Nine. They were there for Landmark. Yeah, and you just were like. And I mean, nobody at the time would even thought it. And you're just like, oh, yeah, my friend MC's over here. <laughs> and it was like, it's like you. And then the spotlight is like all of his gold messenger. And people are like, what? What's going yeah. on? How in doing that, because that band has evolved. Yeah. Uh, as he put out a remarkable album last year. Yeah. Um, like, how did that inform, like, how you're working, like, in putting together this band? Uh, I I mean, I I look to Mike for so much leadership i call him mike my friend you know and, and he yeah. he puts himself out to the world as mc taylor yeah. is is you know his mm-hmm. kind of stage moniker and such but um you know mike and i um mike and i have just become just brothers i mean you just share that journey on the road together and you're five feet apart from each other and he and i room together still all the time we were yeah. like roommates and at the hotels and um i mean he's just my hero man i mean i look to him as you know one of my people who um, I strive to be like all the time, you know, he influenced me deciding to write songs. He influenced me to just deciding to just try and do this in general. And I know it's hard because, you know, me pursuing stuff makes it something like this kind of a year I'm putting out a record. And right. so there's things that he can't quite <clears throat> do because our band is busy with me yeah, I'm busy with him. And he never shows any of that to me. He only shows love and support to me. And I, I think that's kind of a part of what I'm talking about too, with the band is just like you know, just like just deciding that this this brotherhood is a family, and deciding that right. this family is going to have tr- be built on trust. You trust each other to do that, be there for each other. It's all inclusive. It's not just about the music, and so that all affects the music that happens on stage. It affects the hang after the stage. All of that stuff right, is right. real, man. It's all really real right now, especially. Um, well, there's yeah. there's also like a shared spirituality, I think, in what you guys are doing yeah. and stuff, which is something. I mean, we I think we talked about this last time. How like like I'm an atheist. I don't you know, but I, but there is some something in the universe, right? Mm-hmm. And when I hear people like you, when I hear people like Mike's work, when I hear people, I think I sent you uh, Aaron Abernathy's album. Mm-hmm. People like that, uh, you know. And and look, it's easy to say it's just gospel, but it's not just that it's gospel because you go gospel in this album. It is. Yeah that human connection that so few artists in the modern sphere, like that get popular, that put it out there. And I mean that in 2018, that seems almost antithetical to what would be like great. That would make great art. And yet here you are doing. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, and I just love it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, and, and, you know, then um, I love, I mean, I love it. I don't, I mean, since the last time we talked, even I've just man, I've done a swan dive, man, yeah. into that, like into that, into that world, into that culture, into that music, uh, to the point now where I'm sort of like 
I'm going to have to, I, I know I do like other music. I know I do. I know I have other things that are, that are definitely a part of my, my mainframe. Yes. You know, they're in my programming, but man, I, I'm perfectly content and happy to listen to gospel music all day, every day. My kids have to listen. I mean, my, my yeah. boys are like. They have to listen to like you know quartet gospel music all day in the house. They would rather listen to, you know, they would rather listen to Carly Rae or they would rather listen to <laughs> Sylvanesso or they would yeah, rather yeah, listen yeah. to you know uh, Janelle Monae and stuff like that. Right. But that's their mom. Their mom keeps them hip and and on top of the things. And then they're just gonna grow up. And I'm sure at some point they'll hear like you know the Sensational Nightingales in a lobby of something maybe or on a TV show. And be like, oh, it reminds me of my dad. You yeah. know what I mean? Or maybe, maybe happen, or maybe they'll, maybe they'll hear Blind Boys Alabama and be like, "Oh, my dad produced that." Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's cool. I mean, I would love for the boys to to meet them again. Now, Ellis met the met, met all the Blind Boys when he was two, but he doesn't he doesn't remember that. Yeah. You yeah, know, I would love I would do I would love for them to to meet the boys. But the it goes boys. to like one of the functions of music, right? Like sort of like the historical, you know, you know, religion is a way of trying to make sense of 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 life and of what we're experiencing and and for a long time music was sort of an out i mean all art really was right it shot out of like organized religion on some level yeah. uh and it was and it was about sort of finding a way to like articulate praise or or and 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 so i think the the religiosity or and i don't know that that's the right word but but the but the the gospel influence on your record to me it, it makes me think a lot about like I end up thinking about like the function of music and bringing people together, you know, and there's this moment where I sort of step out of the song and I'm like, mm. Oh, right. This is like a key thing about music is that people are supposed to come together and experience it. Yeah. Right. Which is also part of religion. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I mean, I'm fully with you. I, I feel like, um, what are we doing when we go to a show? Right. What are mm -hmm. we doing? Like, why, you know, are we there? Like, we get excited about an artist. We make a connection with an artist. We're excited to go because there's a release in being able to actually see somebody give uh, in front of you. And there's also a, um, uh, you're transported when you're, yeah. when, you know, when you get transfixed on something and, and you just kind of get moved, you get moved, you're just yeah. transported from one hour to the next. And it's like a dream almost when it's the right show. Yeah. And I think that that kind of a, that show all depends on what the energy that's happening on stage. Do you believe the person that's performing? All I care about now when yeah. I see anyone perform is, do I believe them? Do I believe what they're doing? Yeah, I don't that's, care what, that's what they're doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, but uh, do I believe, do I believe them and what they're doing? And like, did they believe it? Can I see that they believe what they're doing? That That's what I react to the most now. And I, that's like, you know, cause I've been to so many shows where you're just seeing, right. you're like, what are you doing? You're like mourning your, well, you're like mourning your career on yeah, stage. Yeah. You're staring at your shoes, <laughs> looking down and being sad. And it's like, sadness is a part of life. That's not what my, 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 my beef is. It doesn't all music doesn't always have to be up it's okay if it's down because you have to make a connection somewhere wherever that is you, you have know, to, people have to like find the door on uh, wherever it is but yeah. you need to you know you got to believe what you're doing and people i see people at different processes it and now i just understand that it's a part of the journey like, i like to see people that have like fully kind of formed and you never know you can see watching a 20 or on year old that's just killing it believing every part of it and right. i believe in it and i'm like dang this <laughs> yep, is beautiful yeah, yeah. this is like the old days when you have know you, have you seen julian baker 
Uh, she's, no, she's but one, I, yeah. You, yeah, you know. So she's, yeah. she's exactly like that. It's just, she, she'll play the 930 Club, like, just herself. Yeah. And walks out, and you're like, what is going on? And then all of a sudden, you're connected, you're hit, you're in, you're in there. And I mean, that opens up, I, I think, what I wish people would experience music more like that. So we put up walls and like what we want to like say. So like you're mm-hmm. like deep into gospel and stuff. I'm deep into jazz this year. So and you know, but that took a 20 year break from jazz. And in fact, I took a break from Ry Cooter because yeah. I listened to too much Ry Cooter. Now yeah. I cannot stop listening to yeah. it. But I can also then put on a Mastodon album. I can also then put on like Sylvanessa. Yeah. Like whatever. Like I should not like Nick and Amelia's music. And I've, I've said this to them. <laughs> I am not a dancer. <laughs> And yet there's something about that because you believe it. Yeah. You believe it. You feel it. Yeah. You did a show, uh, and I've been meaning to thank you for this, for on behalf of like the people who aren't the assholes in Washington, D.C. You played here right after the inauguration. Yeah. And you played solo. Yeah. Because, and this was a his show. Yeah. And there was not uh, a dry eye. In the house, <laughs> and you you picked up the vibe. That was a special we, show, man. <laughs> we, yeah, we were shell shocked. Yeah, was, was, that was we cool. Were, that we was were completely shell shocked, yeah. and then it was just like I was too. I was kind of like, oh, we're going there. We're <laughs> yeah. all going there. <laughs> like, oh, and, yeah, and it, the Randy Newman cover in the in the middle of the set. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it and it it um it's one of those shows like like for me like it changed my life. And yeah. when you find a show like that, it changed my life because in this like darkest hour in the darkest timeline there's like well at least there's some good it's right there i I, I, I can i can point to it i can hear it and and reach it honestly so so honestly thank you for that That you know i and i think i mean thank you i'm definitely like at a point in my life where i'm i mean i i just look back and i just you know i look back at at like where the journey has taken me and you know and i can't help but be grateful and trying to keep a grateful just a, a grateful awareness over like what I've been given in yeah. this life is, is an incredible. But I mean, I told you before about like the breakdown of like how my family, my family origin, how that all came about, right, but you right. know, and like, but the, the truth of the matter is that like just biologically and just, you know, I mean, what happened was that I was just born as a child of, you know, a nurse who coached Special Olympics and a county social worker. I'm like built for people. Yeah, you're built for <laughs> you know, people. I, I was molded <laughs> yeah. for that. And I witnessed every single day my parents opening up beyond the, the boundaries of their comfort, their their comfort, their bubbles, their whatever it was and reaching themselves fully into lives of people that were around them that were suffering on various different levels. And, um, and realizing that this, your strength, your heart strength that you actually have to actually, like, you know, your your heart is incredible muscle. It's an incredible resilient muscle, and people have no idea how strong it can be. And I got a chance to see like two people that raised me that like went through real, real difficult times with people over and over and over and over again, and saw like how that didn't shut them off or harden them off. In fact, it softened them up. Yeah. That that I mean that that lesson who's going to teach you that I mean the world teaches you differently absolutely the world teaches you that you are going to like you you start out and everything's wide open and you're a baby and everything's tall I mean it's, everything's adorable and amazing and awesome and then just slowly like fall by fall 
you know, disappointment by disappointment, failure by failure, you just, the, the prism slowly clouds over mm, and the, yeah. you know, the hard, so you just build your armor and everyone's got their armor. Like they've got to like, dude, I've got my own armor that I got to deal with that I'm trying to like just take off. But, you know, I don't know. That to me is something, a stage is a safe place for me. It's just become a safe place because I've been doing it for 20 years. And now it's a place where I don't mind being in front of people. Right, I don't mind right. looking people in the eye. None of that stuff matters because my parents taught me how to do that stuff. So I'm grateful to them. And then I'm surrounded by all these great musicians that are just giving it. And so, like, I'm wide open. When I'm on stage, I just feel really wide open. Like, it's all – it feels like the right place where I'm supposed to be where it's just – the flow is happening back and forth. And, you know, over and over again, I see in gospel music, you know, what you were talking about, it was just like the – just the basics, just the basics of getting people in a room together and getting them on the same page. That's that's yeah. actually and, getting and, the and, energy in the same place. And like and like, I don't know. Like, is 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 this the way we all make it through? Like, a, a, any rational human um, who is, has any empathy whatsoever understands you have to be like your parents. Mm-hmm. Like, we we cannot. Yeah. Because if we if I mean to get like cynical about it, like if we don't fully embrace that and like our dark urges get the best of us we start killing each other yeah we start doing shit which you wrote a song about on this another mother's son yeah he didn't make it he didn't make it home it's like she always feared will we whitewash our fences with her tears like we I heard you you're basically talking about like Black Lives Matter yeah. and like that and like I'm sitting in Hawaii listening to it. Yeah. And I just started crying. Yeah. I was yeah. like I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> and part of it's because I know you, but part of it is just like It's a t- it's a this, tough listen on Mother's Day, I'll say. It's I had, a tough I had, listen I had, on I had it on this morning too, and I was like, God damn, man, I'm getting you know yeah. But part yeah. of it is because it's it's truth, mm-hmm. right? And you're getting everybody in the room by making an album. People have to come to it, but they're going to come to your shows. Yeah. And that, I think when you're faced with outside of music or something, having to sit, like if you got to look at somebody in the eye, it's so much easier yeah. uh, to get anything fixed than it is if you're on Twitter or tweeting somebody. And, it's like, and, yeah. I, and look, I'm not one of those people who's right. like, fuck Twitter or anything. I'm just like, you, 
eventually you give into those darker urges and you slip and you stop being like as human as you need to be mm-hmm. to survive when it's dark. Mm-hmm. And that's my take on things. Yeah. And so when something like this comes around, uh, you know, the gospel, I think, reminds us of our history. Yeah. That you're protecting that history. Like nobody's out there like you and be like, hey, I'm just going to do gospel album. Uh, and But at the same time, it's using it for what it was originally intended to. I mean, that there's no commercialism to it. I I mean, how, you know, I'm, I, I don't know. I mean, I've... <laughs> Gospel music was, for most of its in most of the 20th century and before, in the church. And and you know when I'm talking about gospel music, I'm not talking about Sandy Patty, and I'm not talking about you know First Call or like you know I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about black gospel music, and I'm yeah. talking about quartet tradition, and I'm talking about you know the Chicago tradition with the mm-hmm. convention, Willie Mae, Ford Smith, and like all these, and Thomas Dorsey, like. Mahalia Jackson, like the the real impetus of like gospel becoming a movement here, still, by and large, um, the church is the only safe place for a citizen of color to be free from white gaze and from yeah. white judgment, and from and the church is a place where people could be somebody at church, and they even if in their job all week they they weren't anybody in the eyes of anyone there or they didn't feel right. like they were anybody. And that safe space and that culture that was created around that, you can see what happened over time is that like the, the, the performance that happens in church and how, how the actual, the spirit and the black church is a lot more concerned with the spirit yeah. as opposed to the, the Father and the Son, the the Holy mm. Spirit is like more of the centerpiece there, and you can see when you covet that how you can just really learn about how people move, how people work, how people need to release, how all that stuff works, and then you can see how performers that harness that and mold that in church and like really work on that become Sam Cooke and become Aretha Franklin right. and become Donny Hathaway and become Curtis Mayfield and become like all these incredible artists. They all came from the church. And even now, you can still look at anybody. Look at everyone that's backing Kendrick Lamar. Look at everyone that's yeah. backing like Erica Badu. Look at everyone. 90, 95, 99% of those musicians are all gospel musicians. I, I'm glad that you mentioned Kendrick Lamar because, like, so we talked to Miles Mosley, right. an player. We're probably going to be talking to uh, uh, Kamasi. Yeah. Like, so, so, and they're doing something very similar to what you do from like, a black culture perspective. Yeah. Barbara, uh, I forget her last name, but she's Miles' manager. She runs the jazz historical situation out there and basically saved these kids mm-hmm. by doing jazz. Yeah. And now they're giving back. You know, sure, like Miles played with like Chris Cornell. He's he, They've gone to the top and stuff. But like, like I just heard the new one, Heaven on Earth. I heard it on Friday. And it's it is so, it, it's clearly like a black thing, which I think, especially now a lot of people shy away from like, Oh, you shouldn't label stuff black or white. It's like, no, it's black culture. It does what it should do. And it doesn't, uh, try to leave anybody out. It's like, if you're black and you'll send this, this is going to mean something different. Yeah. But if you're not, we want you come under the tent, man. The tent's big. It's like, like you said, don't keep it a secret. The, the, (laughs) 
the yeah, and it's music I and mean, the success of Kamasi and and the entire crew that he runs with too is yeah. that they've put they put spirit at their center. I mean, Kamasi's making music for very spiritual yeah. in a very spiritual channeling channeling way, which is why his music is is thriving and he's having a huge successful career in the medium of jazz in 2018 and playing these dude places he's playing in Europe. He's playing these massive yeah. places. But you know, I think part of like the the death of jazz came from like the institutionalization and the methodology mm-hmm. and sure, all the pedagogy sure. oh, and all these things absolutely. and that just became something you could explain. When you know, really, it was never something you can explain. There was a spirit that was just that that was just pulsating through an entire culture, and people were just riding that wave, and yep. like, and that that was an incredible thing. And I think that, you know, I mean, it, it's inspiring to me right now, just as you know, just a white kid with glasses from Wisconsin who just has been able to just be somebody who was born here, been able to be somebody that. Uh, is an American who actually gets to just, you know, learn about my own country's history. It's so much easier to just be down on wherever you live and be about wherever that's like yeah, old yeah. hat. And I, I, I don't, whenever I hear someone that's just like, Oh, this place sucks. I'm like, I'm, I'll see you later, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm like, you know, I want you to be about where you are. You know, right. if you're not there, I want you to find it. I want you to, I, I'll, I'll, I want that for you. I want you to find the place where you DC's are. DC is an interesting know? place for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, we've. I mean, I've been here now twelve years. You grew up here. I went, I went to high school here. You went to high school, but here. I'm I'm Brazilian, so I'm actually from. As I like to say, I love like Southern, you know, American music, um, and it's because I'm from further south than any of you all. So. Yeah, <laughs> I, guess. I, guess. <laughs> I Brazil, Brazil, Brazil is. I mean, Brazil is a is a is a rainforest of creativity there's, for music. The history there is 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 just compelling. Yeah, know? no, it's there's a, there's an extensive, and it's something we keep talking about trying to figure out a way to like to like build an episode around here. And yeah. it's uh, um, yeah, we have we have some really kind of defining you know towering figures. The the uh, and I think I've said this before on mic, but like it's it's unfortunate right now. They're sort of like. There's a sort of a lack of creativity and, and the way the kind of the business end of music is structured there is is really not um, inviting or sustainable, I think, to like to new artists. But there are some interesting voices um, coming along. And there's these like just towering, very generous figures like your Caetano Veloso's and Gilberto Gil, Jorge Bang. Like these are all guys who like are trying to to really create a new idiom. And yeah. I think they're largely inspired by the I mean. Caetano Veloso, who's sort of one of our more controversial uh, uh, figures, um, famously recorded all these like pro-U.S. songs in the '60s and '70s that talked about Coca-Cola and things that were considered like imperialists' pastimes, right? And he wrote a song in Spanish called "I'm Crazy About You, America," um, and uh, and it just pissed. You know, I mean, you can imagine how that went over with the sort of like controversy. the social yeah. the socialist resistance to the military yeah. dictatorship was not was not amused. Yeah. <laughs> But by the guy in exile writing a song called "I'm Crazy About You, America." But it is, it is. Um, I think the the maybe the point that we're kind of circling around here is that you know uh, uh, the United States of America has just all these fascinating contradictions at its core, and um, and I loved. You know, I get to approach it a little bit as an outsider, but but then being in D.C., we're sort of at the at the like crossroads of so many weird, different uh, racial, class, and political traditions, and we sort of end up. You know, we we sort of get the best and the worst of it all. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, gentrification is a big issue here and stuff. And so you've had 
being essentially most of the black population pushed out, which is happening everywhere. It yep. happens everywhere, but yep. like this is Chocolate City. So if if people are going to fight for it somewhere, it's like this is this is ground zero. And if you can't do it here, then it's like, well, then what what is the hope? Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, you know, people coming in of color, there's a different like economic class. Like and like I said, it's just it's just messy. Yeah, I had, um, I, had, I had a great conversation with someone the other day about what it's like to be a black gentrifier in D.C. Right, because right? I was having this conversation about like what should primarily African American neighborhood. And she was saying, well, you know, my sister's a black gentrifier and she just, she's, she's not sure how much guilt she should feel either. Right. Um, I don't know what the right answer is. Yeah. yeah we're, we're, we're all issue. looking at them like, yeah, like it's, not a, it's not a simple issue. Yeah. And, you know, you, you can get a different answer depending on whoever you're talking to that day. Yeah. And that's that's true. And, but but the, the trend is, is very real. But I also see, you know, I mean, I keep thinking about, you know, Chappelle's um, last stand-up specials that he just put right, out on New right. Year's, you know, mm-hmm. which I, I think the last four things that he's, the last four specials he's put out are among comedies, I think, I think most important artists working today in any medium. It's it's the best thing since fucking Richard Pryor. Yeah. And, but he says, you know, he, he, uh, he feels like, you know, Donald Trump is the lie that's going to save us all. In yeah. That, in that, that, that sense that it really is going to make America stay, stare in their own mirror hard enough that they're just right. got to do better than this. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That to paraphrase him. And so, I, I'm I'm seeing this. I know you all are seeing this, and I know people that are list that would listen to this are going to see this too. But we're at a time right now where art. I mean, people are making people are making art that is absolutely astounding right now in a reaction to what's happening. And I think that you know, just to mention him again, I don't think Kendrick Lamar is paralleled at all right now in no. the entire world. Yeah. I think that when I hear Kendrick Lamar's music, I hear all. I hear all the all of the music that came before it in that music. Yep. And that is something that that is just different. And I think that's something that also he's a part of did we talk about the tree last time, Kevin? I don't think so. We didn't talk about the tree. Tell me about the tree. Okay. Are you talking about the new Laurie McKenna album? No. <laughs> oh, because that's no, excellent. Or John Prine, The Tree of Forgiveness. No, which is yes. the other greatest yes. album. Yes. Probably, probably one of the greatest albums of his entire career he put out this year. But um the tree is just as simple as this. All of these humans, the human organism, just making music over time in America. You know, we do have this tree. It's this tree that we can't see, but it's all there and the history's there. Europe's got churches and there's like ruins in other parts of the world and all these other things. And we don't have, we've got music. That's what we have to actually like. Right, take right. pride in to learn about to you know learn about life through all that kind of stuff it's all right there and it's a huge massive tree you know every tree has got its roots and it's got its roots that go deep every tree's got its trunk that holds the whole thing up and keeps the whole thing growing taller and taller and going up it's got its smaller branches that go out and the edges of those it's got all the leaves that appear every year and just fall off and then appear every uh-huh. year get yeah. pretty flash and fall off <laughs> And if you look at all the music that's happening at any given time, any year, you see how like it's all fun. What each different kind of role or each different um, vibration is actually contributing to like that analogy, you know, and you've just got all these bands um, that are the leaves that are just going to, they come up every year. They're really cool. Then they fall. Yep. They're gone. Cool. That was fun. 
that was fun. That was my goal. They're off to be a bike messenger for a few years and do something else. And then they're going to do have kids and they're going to do what they But yeah. for, when they were 23, they were a musician and toured the world really extensively for one yeah. year. And it was yeah. great. You know what I mean? And that, that just, that happens commonly. That's just, that, that's always happening. And you have, you know, other people that are kind of like, you know, thinner branches. I feel like that are, they have, they have more of a fortitude in their music. Maybe they have some honesty in there that's like out there. They're lasting a little bit longer. But then, you know, when you really think about what the roots of a tree do and how they're constantly giving, they're constantly pulling all the things that are from a human existence, from the human soil, all the pain and destruction and joy and celebration and death and life. And there, that feeds the whole thing. But the trunk, man, is where I feel like I am trying to like figure out as a musician and what I do, how I can connect the past to the future yeah, in a way that is seamless in the present. One unbroken strand, if I can build a career that can be like part of the trunk. It feels like you did it on this album. And like, yeah. it really does because again, it's a, it's a, it's something back to Rykuda a little bit. There's, if you read uh there's a wonderful essay that, that the press put out, the PR release that it, is not clear at the beginning that it's it's clearly a work of fiction. You know, the journalist was like looking for him all over America and can't find him and he just wanders into this church in like Mississippi and there he is. Yeah. Clearly that didn't happen. Yeah. Although I don't know. <laughs> like you do not know what that guy Myth. Yeah. Right. Mythology. But, right. but yeah, but Willie Nelson. Yeah. Mythology, dude. <laughs> yeah. Is like are those people even real? I mean you've <laughs> you've talked yeah. to Rye, but is he real? <laughs> yeah. Is he just and it, it, and but a lot of it is about reverence and asking him what that means and what he means by that and this is something that is deeply intertwined in his dna and yours there is your use of these idioms and this look at it the way you look at it is just pure reverence and yet it feels like your own thing you're channeling this and like you said connection connecting the future to the past and i, I think that. whether or not you your intent is to like save it all, <laughs> like be music. I mean, that's the end result, unintentional or not. Mm. Well, it's partly because it's restrained, right? Like there's a weird, right. like I was listening to, I, I, I was listening to some of your music this morning, Phil, to get psyched up for this. Not that I needed to be, but, um, <laughs> and then, uh, and then, and then my wife was like, oh, you know, Casey Musgraves was on SNL. We were digging up our backyard and doing all kinds of like house shit. And um, so we just put, Casey Musgraves on on shuffle and I was sort of and it was just this really jarring contrast from the standpoint of um, there's a lot of Casey's autobiography in her music right you can listen if, if you listen to a random selection of 12 of her songs you'll sort of know what town she's from whether she got along with her grandmother or not yeah. right uh, if she misses her sister um, is she dating a guy or not like there's just a lot of her in there there's a lot of you in your music but there's but it's about the world you're seeing it's not about Fill mm. the the person. Yeah. Um. I'm outward. Yeah. Okay. You know, because yeah. People, because I mean, people because people are your uh, drug. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. People are my drug. Yeah. It's a cool realization to have and be like, I always get a little high when I see my friend Kim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, that's, hum, the human high. The, the, the human high. Yeah. I do. I get giddy and excited, yeah. man. I was just in New Orleans for um jazz fest and his played at jazz fest. And lifelong goal, bucket list goal Congrats. for me yeah. since yeah. I was, you know, 15, 16 years old. And I was, you know, I've had a chance to be at Jazz Fest several times. It's just like a, a kid 
you know, went and saw it, you know, and I was like playing music, but I still hadn't been gigging. I didn't know shit. I didn't know shit. You know what I mean? But I'm just watching all these people that are just like living and breathing every single core of their being. The trunk is New Orleans. Dude, the, every single yeah. thing about New Orleans is just pure, pure yeah. music. You know, like what it really is. In the end, there's no flash. There's no pretense. There's none of this stuff. It's just getting up there and saying what you want to say and saying how you feel. Did John Boutte play this year? I didn't see John Boutte, but I saw John Boutte last time I was in New Orleans. Okay, okay. I, I don't know if I told you really about this. So, great. so the one time we've been to Jazz Fest, I think it was like 2008, 2009, we went to DBAs. Yeah. And if people who aren't familiar with this, it's like it's basically it's a it looks like a a beer bar from the from the bar side and they've got all these beer. But then you look behind this little curtain and it's like red velvet and it's all like warm and inviting and we're standing there and like as somebody in the crowd possibly intoxicated a lot intoxicated, but all of a sudden like Sam Cook this voice. It's clearly not a record. Yeah. I'm like, what the flying fuck is gonna Go into this room full of people and still can't see him because he's a short dude. Yeah. And then push our way to the front. And it's this little guy who doesn't he plays jazz fest in like Montreal and all this yeah. and and he sounds like Sam Cook. And it is yeah. the most soulful thing. It is the trunk. Yeah. Like he is the trunk. Later on that night, after many more drinks, I, I put his head in my armpit and told him how much I loved him. And that was just a bad look. Hey. <laughs> but 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 you know what? It's not the first time that's happened to him. Kevin. Right, I know. That's, <laughs> he lives it's, in New Orleans. It's, it's not the first all. time that's happened, and and he was very gracious because he was like he understood like how much that connected, which was the whole point. It's it, it's a beautiful city, in because the music is a platform that consistently shows you how things could be, yeah. even if it's just in theory and if it's always just temporary. But because they live in that state constantly down there, you just see what music does to the spirit of a city and the spirit of the people of the city and i have consistently found myself just kind of at home in new orleans because i grew up in a small town and i look people in the eye and i said hello yeah. to them uh when i go on the street and i travel the world and realize that is not the case everywhere <laughs> nope. i want that to be the case and i really be. want it to be but in new orleans that's the case i mean yeah. you it doesn't matter who you're talking to man i i stopped when i was walking through the french quarter um two weekends ago and you know there was a guy with a hose out there in coveralls and he was hosing off beer and urine and vomit from the cobblestone streets in the french quarter right probably some and, shit and, too. and i up and i and i i just we happen to be just on the same only two people on the block you know and so i mean i ended up just stopping and talking to him for a while and it was just like that doesn't happen in any other city the same way that it does in new orleans yeah. you can really i mean people are there's a spirit to that city. And that's my center point. Every time I go back there, it's like it's like the fountain back, you know, just back into why I do this in the first place. What I love about it. What I love about people loving music and why we make music. Why do humans make music? It's so weird. Well, what, what is music? Like, <laughs> yeah. what is it? So yeah. weird. You know, but then you look around at nature and everything around you and you hear like, you know, you know, this is how I feel about it. It's like, you know, you hear the birds outside, like they have their song, they're out there and they're doing their thing. And you, you just see like all these different parts of life that just have a vibration. They're putting, they're doing their thing. And that bird has the same song that they're just doing all over. It's like, it's their, it's them. It's their identity. It's a small little microchip of like information that, that, that's theirs. Right. And they get to sing it and they sing it. Damn it. They're going to do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're going to get to New Orleans and that's what everyone, that's everyone, what everyone is that. a bird in a tree. Everyone is doing the thing that they're meant to do. And it's like, 
it's really awesome, man. And so, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm still, I'm still up here about like, it. Yeah, it's like, great. like earlier, earlier that night uh, that, that I was talking about. Like, there's a, there's a bar across from the fairgrounds, but there's a family that lives across there that was like, uh, and basically just making crawfish monica. Yeah. Which, if people don't know what that is, it's basically crawfish, macaroni, and butter, yeah. and then some wild ass spices. And I, I was just like, hey, uh, can you show me how to make it? Took me into her kitchen and showed me how to make it. Yeah. Like how this one family did. And she made it clear this is the people down the street, she's like, they make it wrong. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. A little you bit know. territorialism. It's yeah, a little, little friendly competition. So, you know, but 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 it's that openness and stuff. And like you said, looking people in the eye and, and yeah. being able to just accept the world around you and, and as you were saying earlier, like fucking buckle up, strap in when you do need protection. But the better state to be is like open it's a relief to feel open and safe in a place it's a relief to feel safe in a place and Mm -hmm. just feel like i can be myself here that's a relief i mean you know what that feels like when you can just kind of your shoulders drop and you're in a place that you just feel like at home at and you know i've just noticed that over time i you know i mean it's just stuff my parents taught me it's just like the family i grew up in which was really close and we like tells the same stories every single year we're like you know we're farting and laughing like like it's a jovial laughing festival of everything when my when my family that's like the where i came from but like i've just brought that i just brought that wherever i go because i miss my family because they're far away yeah. you know yeah. so it's kind of yeah. my way of like bringing them into the place and you know but it goes back to exactly what you were saying earlier about the role of of the church in african-american life in, in the in the u.s right it was the only place where people could really be themselves and it was the only place where they could let their guard down um and it's funny because i was actually i was just thinking about this earlier today like the show that kevin was talking about um where you um where you opened um, and played solo. I remember I was I I was with a friend of mine that night, and he worked for the um, uh, for the Sierra Club, and he's an environmental lawyer. Oh yeah, and um, Andres, right? Yeah, he was Andres, here for, yeah. The, for the for the dead uh, for the dead uh, box set um, that we did. But uh, and so and and I remember he and I stayed up until like three in the morning after your show, arguing about whether we should be trying to engage the people who voted in. Uh, who who voted Trump in. And he was saying, like, from my standpoint, like, I can't succeed as an environmental activist unless I get these people on my side. And I was, and my attitude was, fuck those people. I don't want to be, I don't want to be anywhere around them. I don't want to leave my, like, I had bought, like, RVing for dummies because my job was in a bad place and I thought maybe I want to drive around this country and see it. And I was like, I don't want to see it. I'm done. Like, and and had, had someone said in 2017 people are my drug and you need to be open to like to to engaging with them and talking to them i i wasn't i wasn't there it's taken me a long time and a lot Mm. of conversations with friends to get back to a place of remembering that that right people are fascinating and if you're open to whatever they have and to hearing their story like they each contain a universe a cosmos and if and if you talk to them and you sort of connect you get to spend some time um, in someone else's reality, right? Which is oh. which is like a drug, which it really is. I mean, uh, do you guys have you guys watch the new Queer Eye? I have on Netflix. No, I haven't seen it yet. That's a balm for the soul, dude. Is, is it really? balm for <laughs> the soul? Nice. I see your wife nice. tweet about it, man. That is balm for the soul. That is like that. I, I feel like that. I mean, I I was inspired by that, man. We were we were yeah. watching that, man. I was inspired by that. I felt like this is real, man. This is like a crew of dudes being centered in Atlanta, Georgia. You know, gay men going into the heart of Trump 
country and doing these makeovers on you know many times police officers trump voters like yeah you yeah. know surrounding immersing themselves in a family and like you just see that risk that's totally motivated by love yeah like that these dudes come in there and do this thing and you just yeah. see i mean i mean it's so real like that like like what happens like when you know when you bring love into a situation and like, you know, when I, when I talk about love a lot right now, like I'm, I'm talking about love and I'm talking about fear a lot. And I think about those things a lot, you know, but reading, you know, reading Martin Luther King, he would, he would say like, you know, talking about, you know, agape love is like talking about, I was about, just thinking agape, talking about, agape, you know, yeah. understanding the lo- love and the, in the meaning of it, just meaning understanding, yeah. um, you know, understanding and respect. And I think that, you know, for me to be in, you know, negotiating, um, you know, negotiating an existence where I'm just like constantly diving into this, like, you know, you know, African-American tradition of gospel music and learning about the whole history about it, learning the different movements, the different regions, what different people were doing, uh, you know, all of that. And then becoming more in contact with the present day church in North Carolina and actually being Mm -hmm. able to have an opportunity to be performing in black churches in the last like two years and being an apple apple having an opportunity to you know talk with um you know african-american churchgoers and people in communities um and just you know realizing no matter what just like how much you know that like love and respect and longing for um understanding and longing for connection and bringing that spirit into a room where you're are the outsider you know, and but also just trying to like be yourself and and just give people who you are and make my presence as small as possible to make sure that everyone yeah. can just still maintain that safe space. I realize I can't be successful at that all the time, but it's a journey that like is being that 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 is a part of like you know immersing yourself into anything and putting yourself in situations where you know you're you know you're talking to people that 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 don't look like you and you're talking to people that don't you know that don't have the same daily maintenance uh, habits exactly as you have with their, with hair and with like skin and clothing and all that kind of stuff. That's all outward and that we're all trained to just completely only look at all the time. It's just what's on the outside, you know? And then I find over and over again, I find over and over and over again that just like, you know, when you, the attitude you walk into a room with and the humility you walk into a room with, you know, that is that that is by and large reciprocated by any human being who has a heart that can just see that and i just see it when i'm in italy i'm talking to somebody and saying yeah. just go for saying an italian phrase and mess it up yeah. you're sitting in you know wherever it is and so they laugh but they're like thank you for caring yeah, is the right. basic premise yeah maybe in germany a couple of times people are like ah just speak german here i'm not gonna speak this to you i'm like okay <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll get better. I'll be better. Okay. Thank you for being honest, all German fans, all the time. I, I think it's it's fun, interesting point on that idea, though, is um, th- there's one song that you did with Amelia, Miles Away, yeah, that doesn't lean heavily on the gospel. Yeah. Except it, in the DNA, it does. What did you say?
But you you take this down. There's a lot of celebration of like larger things. You take this down to between two people, and I think what's remarkable and and like this is this is not something that I like teared up on. I was like, uh, you get to the heart of relationships mm. in a way because look, we all live for relationship songs, right? Yeah. What do we watch on TV? What do we do? Everything. It's all. It's all about love. Yeah. Love or action. Yeah. Or Black Panther. That's the third category. Yeah. <laughs> just watch Black Panther. But um. But you know that love songs are like we Eduardo and I are suckers for rom coms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't exactly. matter. Yeah. You so know Mike the, Taylor. Yeah, is he? <laughs> oh yeah. Anything with McConaughey. Tell him the dude. Bring him over next time because we will That's watch awesome. some shit. My my library is just lousy. Deep. You got a deep oh cut catalog rom coms, dude. dude man. It is it is, it is it's horrific, but um, but it's because that's the basis or human connection in that, and you do this remarkable thing on that because the song is essentially just about a, a moment, right, between yeah. two people where you realize you're not connecting, yeah. you're not there and stuff, but it really is. Uh, about the entirety of relationships and anybody who has been in a relationship. I don't care how good your relationship, how perfect it is. There are times when you're just not there and you, it can be at the beginning. It can be at the end. It can be over like 20 years. It can be, and like how you hit that heart. Like, like I believe you that, (laughs) that that was, that was the, that was the thing. And it was like, Oh, I really believe this instead of just having like a weird platitude put together. Mm. Um, yeah, and well, part of that is I know also Amelia, like man. I know you and Amelia, so I know how you are. So it's easy to believe that. I mean, I give so much credit to Amelia Meath. I mean, she is a, and she, she, I mean, she is part of the trunk, man. And mm-hmm. I think the reason you relate to Sylvanesso is for you know this very simple reason that Amelia's voice, when Amelia opens her mouth and she sings, there's there's elements of the great voices of all time that uh, there's all elements that are just in that thread she's got all these different things there's part lullaby there's a part of her that always feels like she's just there's something that's that always feeling to me feels like she's singing a lullaby to me right. it calms me it comforts me yeah. but there's also something like you can put amelia she's a master singer but you, you can put her on top of any track i don't care if you put her in front of a, a bossa nova Dude, can you imagine her voice yeah. in front of a killing bossa nova? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, all of that. She could sing anything you want to put in front of her, which is great, you know. Um, and I, but I mean, all I think to me starts with that. There's something that's so comforting and like about her voice that just gets inside, just gets right inside your heart. And I think that helps the the beats there. And it's all the other stuff that's happening around it that's great. But her voice, it's just right there. And you know, I. You know, part of this too, the, the, so, you know, we talked about the process, this, the process of this record I knew was just going to be, let me just tell you, here's what happened. All right. Ready? Okay. <laughs> Checking in for hour two, kids. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> uh, JT, my drummer, flew down from Minneapolis. My buddy, my keyboard player, James, we all, uh, he, we were down, we, we played a show. We went out to this brewery afterwards that my friend owns and we we're sitting outside just having a couple beers around a picnic table. You know, it's, it's been a little while since we played a show. Uh, we're, we're there and James just go looks at me and goes, dude, what do we, so what's the plan? What are we, what are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing, Phil? And I was like, um, you know, I'm like kind of <laughs> writing and he's like, he's like, let's make a plan. 
JT's like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, man, let's make a plan. This is the guys I have in my band. This is why I have these guys. Because then <laughs> they both looked at me and were like, dude, what's the plan? Yeah. Let's yeah, make a record. Yeah. What do you want to do? And, and I was like, uh, okay. Okay. Uh, let's make a record. Oh, um, uh, and I pulled out my phone and I texted, uh, my friend Cherie, who's got the calendar for my friend Justin's studio. And I just said, uh, first week of January open. And she's like, yep, it's all yours. You want eight days? I'm like, yeah, eight days. Sure. Boom. Wow. And I got hung up the phone. I'm like, okay, we're making a record in January guys. And it was like, um, July or August or something like that. Yeah. So did, I went did home. You have, did you have the songs at that point? No. Or, okay. <laughs> so I went home. <laughs> okay. But but like James is right, man. It was like immediately. I'm just so grateful for him. But like he was right. He's like as soon as my as soon as I put that out there, and then I, my mind just started working on it, and then all of a sudden, like I just like I just start. It's the song started coming, but I knew I wanted help because I had to do it fast. I knew that mm-hmm. like I didn't want to make a record in six months like it took me to make uh, Southland Mission, where I re-sang it like seven times, oh, and we yeah. had to like. You know, we had so many mixing sessions. I spent so much money, all for the good. Oh my god! I'm yeah, so all, it's all yeah, I yeah. needed to get. Yeah. Out. It's what I heard in my head is what I put out. But this time was like different. It was just like, okay, we're gonna make this record in January. I got to get all these songs together. What's gonna be on it? Da 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 da. I'm gonna co-write. Great. First step. Why don't I just make it easier? Like, I don't like writing lyrics. It doesn't come as naturally to me. It's just really just 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 farming out a riff, man. I can oh, fart man, riffs like all. Oh, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just like. <laughs> I mean, that's all I do is I have yeah, 300 10 second ideas on my phone right now. You know, like they're on my voice levels. And uh, so, I mean, that's cool. So I can take those into a situation. They're useful. But, you know, Emilia, I wanted to write with. I want to write with. Uh, there's, a, there's a guy who's an author in Wisconsin who um, has written several books. Um, I grew up with him. Our moms are friends. But he's just an absolutely one of my favorite authors. I love him to death. He's a big part of the Eau Claire's Music and Arts Festival. He's yeah, the yeah. festival narrator, oh. Michael Perry. Okay. Um, and he and I used to play music together. And I love his songwriting. I love his lyrics. They're really great. And so I wanted to write this spiritual because he grew up in a really kind of pseudo-Pentecostal, white tent revival, Wisconsin simple clothing homemade clothing right, right. kind of church yeah his whole youth you know including the times when he was like uh 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 like this the 12 year old kid who got a leather jacket and slicked his hair back and was not all about it anymore <laughs> like there you know what i mean he had all the phases that i did we both walked away from it all you know and we're both as men the church never leaves you when you grow up with it like there's a part of it like your upbringing that's always with you it resonates in what you're doing in the day and so whether you want to or not you're constantly having a dialogue with like your faith and i think just choosing to just just step back onto the path of just being able to like live with a question is a thing that he and i both love so i'm gonna write a song with mike perry and then i wrote a song with um this guy kane smigo who is this like astounding young slam poet he was on the grand slam uh poetry team from durham that came up to dc oh wow um, okay like yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. like nine nine years ago but he's huge. I mean, he travels the world doing these, like, um, with Next Level, and he's done all this stuff with, like, um, international organizations that teach kids. They bring, like, beat-making labs into, like, um, Indonesia. They've been going. Oh, he, wow. like, teaches, like, you know, he does all these collaborations with, like, villagers, and he's always traveling the world. He's young, I, smart. I, I actually, out. I think he works with uh, one of Dario's co-workers. Really? No shit. Like, really? I, I think, yeah. Oh, I think, we'll have to talk to him at, yeah, talk yeah. afterwards. See, see, because that sounds like uh, they have an artistic, uh, this is just a real quick aside, not to interrupt, but uh, an artistic like outreach as far as uh, education advocacy mm. and uh, closing uh, the achievement gap and stuff. And like part of it is that. Yeah. So, so, but continue. I mean, that's just, I mean, you know, I mean, so like having someone like that, I just knew it was like old friend, 
uh, super old friend, Amelia, who I just, I knew I wanted to write with her because she's just the king, the queen of melody. Um, and then Kane. And so he wrote another mother's son with me. He and I wrote the lyrics. Oh, that wow. song. I can't. And so we did that on the road. We just would go back and forth. It was my favorite collaboration, man. He and I, he had never written a song before with a songwriter. I had never written with a hip hop artist before, you know? And so he and I were just like going back and forth. He was super into it. I was super into it. We were like tweaking words. I was like, this is what I want all songwriting, co-writing to be is like this collaboration together. I'm like, why doesn't this happen more often as well? Speaking of just breaking down boundaries, why don't like, I mean, think about the gifts that are in the hip hop community with lyrics and with like being right. able to find flows and different kinds of like all these, these incredible skills that, you know, could technically just have a melodies inserted into them and then be yeah. whatever. I mean, I, I didn't see any, any problem with it, which is great. So it was, that was so fun. He was like, we we're going back and forth with rhythms and things like that. And I was like, how oh, he thinks about it, how I think about it. And I was you know getting him to sing a little bit to me, like what his ideas were. And I mean, that kind of thing was great. And so I don't know. That was awesome, and Mike and uh, the Mike Perry and I's like dialogue writing uh, deeper kind that like just a hymn. Oh, I yeah. just wanted to write a hymn yeah. in G that could be mm. played by anybody that wanted to come on stage. Right. It was like all these goals I had about just like yeah. what I wanted the function of a record to be. You know, Southland's really epic, and it's got so much orchestration and arrangement on it. And I'm like, I want to make something really direct, forward that sounds like exactly what my band sounds like right now. So when people come out and see it. It just, I mean, it really sounds it's like just this is us. This is what we sound like. Yeah. You know? On, so on, that's on first cool. listen, it's, not, it's like I was describing it to Kevin. I was like, it just feels like a warm embrace by like someone you know really well. Like it's just uh, like from the opening song, you're just it, like, oh, I know this place. Like, yeah, I've been in this house before. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I sort of know, Home. you know, the furniture is a little bit different, but like, but right. yeah, like this is totally cozy. We got to right. Yeah. Just make things, you know, how can we bring home into any situation you're in? You know, and that's like a, a that's cool. And so, I mean, I, I liked branching myself out to those. I mean, I, I love that. It was so rewarding. All that, like all those experiences were Amelia wrote Miles Away with that was great because it was just like all we did was sit at a kitchen table and we talked for an hour. Yeah. And at one point in just talking about being people who are married and she gets to travel with her husband. I don't get to travel with my wife. But right. but we're just talking about just life on the road and being married, all these different things, and talking about presence, like how the struggle to just be present in a yeah. relationship and in a marriage, all these things. And I'm like, I feel like I'm miles away all the time. She's goes miles away i'm not kidding you <laughs> she just picked up looked oh, at me and I, like because i i had written i had written the chords kind of i had like the some things on there but like 10 minutes god song's man. done in 10 minutes Damn. totally done Come like on. she like she we like we went through the whole thing and it was like all it was was a therapy session and at the yeah. end we just wrote a song and then it was like left you know what i mean it was done it was great <laughs> how do you wait, how, wait, 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 was nick like that could have gone on our album, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Man, Nick Saban rules. Uh, he does. He does. Um, so, yeah, anyway, I mean, all the collaborative parts of it leading up to it just helped make the material come together quicker in preparation for it. And then I knew that we were going to record it at Justin's studio. I only um, bring the, the cor- bring my three guys, keys, drums, and, and bass. And so we had um, five days that we actually spent five days at April base in uh, outside of Eau Claire. And then we spent um, four days in Durham. We had flew, we had flew yeah. straight back to Durham and then like continued to record for the next. So th- the record was actually started on January 4th and finished on January 14th. Wow. <sighs> Man, Mixed 
I think and everything like wow. mixed like done and mixed. It was all in ten days. That was on purpose. We just made sure. it that we sure. made just, our just limitations. Made it and, like, and then you just this go. is my brother, and then this is where my brother yeah, enters yeah, yeah, in yeah. because my brother knows you better than any other human being, and he's just like no, no, no. I'm like, well, we could do like an extra day. He's like, no, 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 two days. You you, you can get this whole how, this how whole much, record done in two how days. Much and I'm like, studio, really? How much does that studio have to do with the vibe? Because so I, I'd never seen like the inside of that studio, but mm. I remember you posted photos of it. And and I think we're on the same wavelength with this. It looked like the ultimate like wood paneled like man cave. It yeah. just it's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, it's constantly evolved. I mean he, he he's been constructing it there's always construction, there's always like mods, there's always like renovations, there's always things happening. So every time I go back the studio is is just getting constantly updated and like he just bought a um he just bought a really nice, really nice grand piano. Like that's he finally mm-hmm. has like that, which is I've been asking him um, I've just been like, I'm so excited for you to get a real like a. So once I, you can make a a, a world class jazz record in a place, you know what I mean. You could have yeah. a real like you could have Herbie Hancock. So does come that in. mean you and Hornsby's album is coming soon? <laughs> Hornsby, <laughs> love Hornsby, man. Um, what a great dude. Yeah, I mean because it is um, again that vibe. It feels like home and everything. But like you're like best friends with Justin. Yeah, and like that, you're in his space. Yeah, and that then, he's made. I mean, he's made that place into a home for um, all of his friends. He's made it into a. I mean, he designed it. Um, you know, he really made it for his friends. I mean, it's yeah. it's great. Um, yeah, again, Justin is. I'm, I'm 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 happy to to call him my friend, and I also am happy to just say that he's just one of the most generous, genuine human beings yeah. I still know in my lifetime, and it says a lot about somebody who's had the level of success, notoriety, and fame that he has, which I've seen change. And he, it's changed him. How can it not? It's an right, onslaught. Right. It's it's an it's like an exposure, like in a viral sense, to yeah, like you for sure. or to the society in general. I think it's a sickness. Uh, It'd be hard not to feel guarded all the time. I would assume, like right. you would just be suspicious of like any interaction in public. Yeah, you can see how it just kind of right? isolate you. Yeah, it kind of just isolates you from everyone you love and isolates you from you know everything. Right. And I think he constantly is striving to just like, and he's just part of his generosity, just staying open, just staying open. Yeah, you know, and doing this, and really leaning hard on his, on his, on his, on his friends, um, you know, which is great. So that was cool. Um, and you know, we, my favorite thing that happened, my, because the record took me by surprise. Like some of the parts of it, I was like trusting Brad, trusting everyone around me. It was all happening fast. I was like, I just want to make sure. I- you know, I mean, it's like you don't see this when I'm doing an <laughs> right, interview, right, but right. like I do get worried looks on my face and do kind yes. of have like a little bit. I'm, I'm ah, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, and that happens. But you know, I do that in front of my, like my brother, and my brother's always been a person who's just been like, "Hey, shake me by my shoulders. Yeah. Hey, wake up. You're cool. Yeah. Do you go in there and do you? You got this." So yeah, we set up everything in the live room. They were across the house in Studio B. Um, the engineers and assistant engineers and he were all just in there. They stayed there. We stayed here. We never left that room. Jeez. Wow. The, and the only time I've ever had done that with a record, I've, I've never done that before. I always like, oh, it's a great take. Let's go listen to it. It's all I've ever done. You know? Yeah. But this time it was just two straight days. The quartet just played the entire record. We played each song two or three times. Brad often picked the second take, sometimes the first take. It was rarely ever the third take that he picked. Right. It was like mm-hmm. one of the first two. Um, so when we were done with those two days, we finished and like had dinner and then we went into the control room and listened to the record that we had just finished. Wow. You know what I mean? Like we were done with the record. We just got to listen to the whole thing. We recorded so much. We recorded like 15 songs in like two days. Oh, there's so much stuff, you know, and a bunch of it didn't make it on the record, but 
Um, and that was the basis for it. And, you know, from there, it was just kind of like find the right headspace to sing. I mean, and I felt that kind of like a different, I felt a different change from when the first one, you know, like I said, I think I re-sang Southland six, seven times. Oh, I don't even yeah, know, yeah. man. I was trying to find, I was trying to search my voice and all these kinds of things. And while I'm always on that path and still searching for it, right? you know, I just was able to like forgive myself. And I think forgive myself for whatever, however it came across, I was just able to like live with it. And I think that was kind of like felt like growth from the last time. That's that's where I felt the growth of this I, one. I've I was talked to like, a lot of artists, dude, about that. And the thing that like, it, and it's hard if you create anything. If you create a fucking podcast, it's hard. Like, yeah. But it's like the story goes on. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, like <laughs> if people are my, if there's a bad vocal, t- well, there's not a bad vocal take on yeah. this. So, so, so. But that's how, you, that's you, how I you look did at it. it. What you you're about it. to say is how I look at it. I'm just yeah. kind of like, ah, yeah, I'm just, I'm doing my thing now. I just got to do my thing. And getting the second record out was the most important thing. Yeah. And just yeah. like pushing it out, like just punching it out yep. into the air. That, that was like part of how to do it, ripping a band aid off kind of just being like, so we can do this. Yeah. FYI, you know what I mean? And just proving that to myself and proving that to them. And part of it was like, you know, like I said, I was surprised by, like, one basic, basic, like, you know, mind shift that happened in it that was really revolutionary and huge for me was uh, I played, you know, all the piano on Southland Mission and all the guitar. I played all the organ. I played all these different things. James played the Wurlitzer. But this time he's been touring as my keyboard player for all his years. And, like, man, he's shedding every day. And I'm getting to this point now where I'm just like, damn, dude, you are incredible right still not knowing in my head i thought i was maybe going to be doing piano part whatever no we just went in there and made a live record in a studio and made it out and james played every single keyboard part in the piano i didn't even play oh. the, any keys at all i just played the electric guitar and a couple, an acoustic guitar it was one thing i played in every song and then i sang total change from the last one yeah and i think that part that just that really that was a relief it was like thank god that's great let's do one thing yeah that's awesome you know what i mean i don't know maybe i think some well, artists have more ambition they're just kind of like i gotta do this i'm gonna do this and i've can, been there you but can like, do something like nah. say, say father john misty's last one pure comedy and stuff it's genius right and it's and he did something very different he went and got like multiple sessions with like 70 string players you can certainly do that and stuff but if the music is like yours and the goal is connection like that album is about uh disconnection just straight up like how do we deal if we're disconnected? It's it, he's trying to do the same thing, but he's doing it in a different way. Yeah, you're the most important thing is connection here, and that's the way you do it. Yeah, I I can't, I don't know the sound. I don't know. You know uh, Lydia Loveless? Yeah, I know yeah. she is. Yeah, so her album Indestructible Machine, same way. It was like recorded in six days in Chicago. Just boom. This was a couple of years ago. So we got people on the radar, and you feel it. Yeah. You're like, I don't know what happened. Lightning in a bottle. It's all these songs. You feel it on this. And like, I mean, you know, look back. I mean, look back 40 years. Dude, that's how right, you did it. Right. This is all everyone did. Why do you think stacks worked? They opened their doors <laughs> and Otis Redding got in there in the morning and they knocked out a record in that day. And then he yeah. would just go back on the road. He did, and he would just go into the studio for yeah. one day, two days max. And the record was done. Al Green, all those dudes were making records in a matter of a days. It was just from the gut how they felt. And that's part of the story. And that's like, they just follow on through. That's how Bob Dylan's always worked. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. All, I mean, all that. And I don't know why I can't just like, you know, why I wouldn't hold up myself to just that basic standard of just like snapshot, snapshot, snapshot. 
I'm a long arc. I hope over time people just see this gradual climb of improvement. Right, and just right. like, you're like, man, he's really gotten better over the last 20 years. Thank God. You yeah, know, he's like, doing it, guys. Yeah, he's doing not it. like, holy cow, he's a rising star in a comedy. He's 21. It's totally awesome. Oh, man. What happened? You know, ah, oh, it was good. Yeah, I thought it was okay. Just like my, it's just slowly declining yeah. into the point where you're just kind of like, I don't ever want to have that like happen to me and like that's where i would bow out you know when i would feel like the returns are not happening there's there was something about that that solo show you played hearing the southland songs just you and the guitar and you could really like and i and i like that night went home and listened to the record again because i wanted because i was like you know the the skeleton is there just with with your guitar playing Mm. and like i i could i suddenly like saw the songs totally differently Mm. you know i sort of saw past the production and could just see like that's cool what was behind it and I feel like this album can probably scale back in the same way, but I'm wondering if that's like an important touch point for you at all, or yeah. if at some point you want to feel like the music has sort of it's bigger than just you and and what you can do by yourself. I think that I think that's a great question, Eduardo. I think like I've you know I I I, I like all the situations because they all teach me different things about where I need to grow, where I need to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, playing solo show and you're the you're fully accountable, yeah, solely right. accountable, and you walk off that stage with a perfect picture of what you did wrong and what you did right. <laughs> right. And as soon yeah, as you add no, other people no into hiding. it, then there's yeah. more perspectives and no yeah. hiding. So, yeah. I mean, I like the journey of playing solo. I have some solo shows coming up this summer that I'm like, this will be fun. It's like playing some, I think like that Milwaukee show might be yeah, solo. Yeah, Col- you know Col- Col- I mean? yeah. Um, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I like the, I mean, the full band's great. I'll be back here in DC with the full band in June. And then I'll be, uh, uh, you know, most of the rest of the tour are all going to be just the quartet going around. And the quartet, man, I'm just like, I'm so into the space of a quartet. It's just like every role has its, every player has their role different than a trio. I've done the trio for a long time, done all those different things. But that quartet is just like, you just feel the role of the guitar. You just feel the role of the rhythm. You feel the role of the bass. I mean, you just understand it. Yeah. As mm-hmm. from the audience, there's something magical about how that like that happens, and we're kind of going through that right now with his. We're just out as a quartet, and it's like, whoa, yeah, this is great, yeah. Well, and now you got to play a show tonight with his, with here, his here in Washington D.C. Um, dude, you did it, man. Uh, oh. did, we, did we get everything? Everything you need to talk about? I don't know, man. I'm comfortable I, down here. Okay, this is a comfortable that's, that's spot. The whole point. I mean, I, I mean, you know, I don't even know what time it is. I mean, I, you know, I could do. We could do bonus material if you want, man. <laughs> I got. You know, I don't got to be at all four. Uh, how about just come back yeah. sometime? Yeah, when, we can just whenever. continue on, man. Yeah, we'll just we'll just pick right up and we'll just like go um, because that's what life is, yeah. right? Just keep doing it. I can't wait to see you play on the uh, on the eighth. On the eighth at Songbird. Yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for taking the time, bro. Oh man, thank both of you guys, man. Yeah. It's great. Cheers. Phil Cook, everybody. Uh, thanks to Phil for hanging out. And uh, this it will not be the last time 
you hear, Phil, uh, coming out of these speakers or your speakers. Um, People Are My Drug is out everywhere June 1st. Go and get it. He's doing a tour. I think it starts in North Carolina, his hometown, uh, around around Durham or Chapel Hill maybe. Uh, On the 8th, if you're in Washington, D.C., on June 8th, he's going to be playing at Songbird. That's That's a little venue here. And uh, and I would get your tickets now because it's small and this is uh, I've seen I've seen Phil a bunch, but this is man it's 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 going to be the best show you see this summer. How about that? Um, it's with with the, armed with the new songs, armed with the the band uh, that is as tight as they ever are going to be. This is just it's going to be a joyous celebration and and look, given the times that we're in, um, we all need this. This is um, I truly believe this that. You know, this is, uh, we talked uh, recently before they had found out Scott Hutchison from Frightened Rabbit committed suicide. And and given the times that they are, you know, anxiety and depression are, are real. Um, and even if you don't have, like, severe anxiety or depression, like, sometimes life is hard. And, and a lot of times we don't, uh, we don't let ourselves necessarily deal with that and and take care of it and you know we were i was reminded when we were talking off mic a little bit about this um after our chat about anxiety and about uh how you ultimately you know need to lean on other you need to trust other people and other people can make it better that is not like look i'm on medication uh, for mine, that is, this is not like saying if you just get a good vibe, you're gonna be okay, man. Uh, but uh, if you if you can get that good vibe, is what I'm saying, uh, you'll certainly be at least a little better. And uh, and uh, yeah, and this music is that for me, and I hope it's that for you. So, so it's my little <clears throat> mental health uh, spiel right there. Uh, and with that, we are out of here. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to us in iTunes. Leave us a rating or a message there. There's Apple Podcasts. You can also listen to us on Google Play, Mixcloud, Stitcher, on Spotify. So on Spotify, if you go and uh, and you're listening to this, you can listen to I think the singles are up now. But if that's your dream first, you can listen to People on My Drug right on Spotify. Uh, so that's rad. You can also listen to all of our uh, episodes always on www.chunkyglasses.com. And there you will see, besides the podcast, the amazing work of Matt Condon, Mauricio Castro, and Avery Junius. They are out here every night in the D.C. area shooting uh, live shows, bringing you live coverage, and, you know, giving you a glimpse of of what uh, this vital uh, lifeblood, that is live music, is through through their eyes. And for my money, they have some of the best eyes in the industry. Um, always thanks to our podcast host, Pippa. Pippa.io, go there with a good idea, a podcast. Give them a small fee, and they'll get you out and uh, out on the internet with people listening to you. Please, though, folks, don't don't spread hate on your podcast. Just good good vibes, and uh, and and we'll all be better. You know, if you want to do a whole podcast talking about just Phil Cook, uh, break it down song by song. Do that. If you want to do a whole podcast about how you are a racist piece of shit, don't do that. Okay, okay. But if you whatever you're gonna do, Pippa will help you out. So I don't think they, they discriminate. I'm just asking. Um, and uh, and also, I can't believe I forgot to mention this up front, but if you uh, if you were digging this, if you're new to Phil Cook or whatever, but 
uh, email peoplearemydrug at gmail.com. Shoot them an email. And uh, you might get some uh, positive cosmic vibes back in return. That's all I'm saying. So do that. And uh, with that, we are out of here. Going to be back on Monday talking about the album, doing a little review. Not sure who the panel is, but I know that uh, kind of most of our panelists wanted to sit down and talk about this. Say something. Say something to me. Says it's a great fucking album. Um, and then don't forget to see him on the 8th end, but we'll be back in a few short days until then be good to your ears but be better to your people talk to you soon 